0: Welcome to the show that waited for everyone to go to Dublin before it drank the Drinks Globe dry. On today's show, we stand and stare at Barnett, mouths agape, heads slowly shaking, and we say as one, What on earth is going on? And when we're done slowing down to stare at that car crash, we focus on one of the only goalless draws of the weekend. We frantically try to brush up on Portsmouth because the weather did for Gillingham, and I'll be reading out a long, rambling history of Notts County. Oh, wait! Come back. We've got Caroline Barker. Hurrah. We've got Matt Stanger. Stick with us. We've got a heavily medicated Joe Crilly and all the other bits and bobs you've slowly become accustomed to on this edition of the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill.
1: Hi. Hello, Matt Stanger. How are you? I'm enjoying heavily medicated Joe Crilly. (laughs)
0: Heavily medicated Joe (laughs) Crilly. Are you? (laughs) (laughs) Always, always. (laughs) Joe Crilly, who last week on the show was like a... a Big Labrador on a wet kitchen floor, bashing into stuff, <laughs> falling over, and also giving out his sexual fantasies, um, which no Labrador, in my experience, has ever done. I'm going to hold it there and go to Caroline Barker. Caroline Barker, how are why? You?
2: Why would you come to me at that
0: point? <laughs> a safety shot.
2: I love the weekend. I'm going to bring it back to football. Thank God. Uh, not enough bright balls. Plenty of goalkeepers wearing bright shirts. Yes. And great different coloured lines.
0: I love different coloured lines. There's the lines. weekend done. I, I prefer a blue line to a red line. Do
2: you? Yeah. Oh, I, no, I favour a red line. Yeah.
0: Well, we had a red line in the game we're going to talk about. We um, did. Nottingham Forest, Sheffield United, or Sheffield Sorry, United. On Nottingham early. Forest. But, mm. <laughs> but I always prefer a blue line. They seem crisper and nicer. Do you know what? We haven't got time for any of this. It's performance of the week, and it was so tight this week. Um, in joint last map. With me, who did you go for? I went for Plymouth. It's a fair shout. Another good win. Back into the playoffs. 24%. uh, I went for Birmingham, uh, arguably an even better shout, though it wasn't reflected um, in the the voting. 24% as well. Producer Abby, who did you go for?
2: I went with QPR. I had a, a joke planned, had I come first, but that didn't happen, so there's no joke.
0: That's fine. We'll save it for the next time. QPR win performance of the week can't be long. But the winner this week is Joe Krilly. Hey, who, who did you go for, Joe? He asked already knowing the answer.
3: However, uh, the Bol- mighty Bolton Wanderers, obviously. Of course, he did uh, One beating Western Villa.
0: Yeah. 27% agreed with you, so congratulations. I believe that's your debut win. It is indeed.
3: I don't know how, it, uh, how to, to celebrate, which is why I did that slightly awkward uh, cheer <laughs> to myself. I, I liked it.
0: I liked it a lot. Uh, no further ado. There is no time for ado. There is time only for the News in Brief. Barnett have sacked Mark McGee and Graham Wesley and have appointed Martin Allen for his fifth spell at the club. Wesley was appointed in January but won just two of his 11 games. McGee was appointed in November before moving himself upstairs. He replaced Rossi Eames, who was only appointed himself 11 months ago, and frankly, we're all a little concerned. Everyone at the High of London would like to wish Martin the best of luck as he joins our fight to keep Barnett in the Football League, said a club statement. And good luck from us, Martin, as it sounds like you'll need it. Stevenage have replaced Darren Sarr with none eaten boss, Dino Mamaria. The 35-year-old had been in charge for two years working alongside Glen Roder, but Chairman Phil Wallace was unimpressed. We haven't seen the progress expected since we strengthened in January, so it is time to move on, he told the club website. Darren has given his all for us, but our poor league form and points per game ratio of less than one since October is not something we can allow to continue. Maria, who represented Tunisia at under-21 level played for Stevenage between 2003 and 2006. I've always loved his passion for the club, our fans and for winning football matches, said the chairman, Mr Wallace on the club website. Neil Warnock was entirely unamused at the postponement of Cardiff's clash with Derby at the weekend. They've been talking about the injury situation, he roared. The manager, Gary, said they only had ten players training and if they could get away with this weekend's game, they'd be fine. Well, things like that should be looked into. Over to you, Football League. The decision was taken in the interest of spectator safety following heavy overnight snow falling in the Derby area which had built up on the roads surrounding the stadium. But it's not over. With so much bad blood spraying around, the Football League are investigating further. We are aware of the comments that have been made throughout the course of today in regard to yesterday's postponement between Derby County and Cardiff City and having asked both clubs for their observations on the matter on Sunday, will not be making any further comments until the full responses are received. And that is your news. Only one place to start, and that's Barnet. I just don't know which bit of Barnet to start. Let's start with Graham Wesley Matt Stanger. He didn't last very long, did he?
1: He didn't. uh, I felt a bit sorry for Mr. Cleanthos actually in that statement he put out yesterday. An extraordinary statement. It was. It was a little bit rambling. Uh, It felt like somebody's Wikipedia page that went on forever, didn't it? But uh, you can see that obviously it's Every decision he's made has been with uh, genuine love for the club and with with the hope of, uh, of taking him out of this situation. Um, and Graham Wesley, it, it sounded like he perhaps wasn't given too many uh, positive appraisals before he appointed him, but he, he saw him as a manager that would... Come in and help lift the mood, uh, you know, following a terrible run under under Mark McGee as well, and two wins in eleven games. It, you know, he hasn't had that impact at all.
0: Uh, interesting though that that almost no blame seems to have be been apportioned by Tony Klyanthos. He said, uh, in fairness to Graham, he's been absolutely great to work with, and the team ethic has definitely improved under him. Who knows if I'd made the appointment at the start of the season, we could well have been going for that promotion today, which seems quite a leap. But he was sacked. Um, we did speak to the club yesterday, and they they were very clear it wasn't that. Mr Wesley was moving off looking for a different job, a vacancy that may or may not have opened up on the same day. He, he was definitely sacked over that short space of time. Caroline, the, the statement, and it's around about 2,000 words long, it's, it's very honest, isn't it? Very open.
2: It used to take me quite a while to do that. You know when you had to fill in your essay and you always used to do the word count at the bottom of, of word, and it would always take a while to get there, so sometimes you'd throw in words perhaps that didn't need to be there. There was a sense that some of that happened in this statement. Tony Kleanthos Clearly doesn't want his club to go down. No one wants that relegation place. So what's he going to do? Call on Martin Allen again. Should this have happened earlier? Read some of the reflections of any of the Barnet fans. And, and yes, it should have happened earlier. Wesley, you go down one route. We've all done it when we've been in charge of a football... No, none of you have. <laughs> uh, you go down a route with the manager because you think on paper it should be good. But if we listen back to some of the podcasts around the time when Wesley was appointed... I don't think there were many that thought that that was the right appointment. Uh,
0: Interesting that this statement actually said that uh, Cleanthos had spoken to a number of people in the game and almost all of them had said, don't do it. He's really hated by Barnett fans. It's not worth it.
2: But he's a man of his own mind, isn't he? He certainly is So he's gone, Martin Allen, again. I've had a little chat with Mr. Allen. You spoke to him this
0: morning, didn't
2: you? And I think, I mean, he's always confident... But is it is it too little, too late? Throw another cliche in. If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be him. Uh, but they have a proper old task on their hands.
0: Yeah, I, I can't see him getting out of this. Matt, can you see him getting out of this?
1: No, not at this stage.
0: Joe Crilly from William Hill, still very much in the room, at least in body. Odds on Barnett going down.
3: Well, obviously they're uh, at the bottom of the table. Uh, so they are... Amongst the uh, the favourites to go down, in fact, they are the favourites to go down. They're one to four to go down, so that uh, that equates to about seven to one to stay up.
0: Not much belief in Martin Allen there. Although, go on. A
2: case for the defence. If you do look, it is so tight down the bottom. I was saying sort of seven points, but you've got what Port Vale thirty eight crew. And those those three sides, Forest Green, Rovers and Grimsby on 37. Michael Jolly just under 20 days at, at the club. Could that be a, a deciding factor too? So he's got the experience of being in that position and coming out of those positions before and they are still catchable. But, but some big managers who have the knowledge of that league and the league below in those bottom kind of five, six, seven. So that maybe might not swing to his advantage.
0: All right. Uh, another club to change manager, Stevenage, Matt. We were only talking about them a few weeks ago. Um, it seemed like they were... Kind of nicely set up. Darren Sala been there just coming on two years. Glenn Roder was there as his kind of um, managerial advisor. Um, They're not in any danger of relegation,
1: but Phil Wallace has made the change. Yeah, and he me mentioning that statement actually when he announced the change that um, it was largely down to the fact that they'd spent a little bit of money in January as well and they signed a few players on loan, signed Alex Revell on an 18-month contract from Northampton, so I think having seen that investment not really take the club any higher up the table, I mean it's four wins in five months now I think since October which is pretty terrible form. Uh, and he's probably looking ahead to the summer as well and there's a good chance that they'll lose Ben Wilmot and Mark McKee, two of their their young talents that have come through under Sal and uh, he's maybe thinking, do we want to give the the, the manager that money to reinvest in the squad again or or do we want to look for a change of approach And, and that's what they've gone for
2: does you know, Does he need the money in that his managerial experience, apart from when he's been assistant, has come from lower down the leagues as well? So he might be able to to work with some of those players too. But I think it's interesting from, from Wallace that he's, or Phil Wallace, that he's taken a look at the players that came in in, in January and said, right, well, we strengthened, we gave them the money, we gave them that, that quality and haven't got the reaction out of it, which is, again, chairman saying, oh, I gave you the money, the players are right, you should have been able to work with them. But it's this... And and you can't do this lower down the leagues. How can you possibly do it lower down the leagues? They don't even get it right in the Premier League. But this trying of create an adaptation for the future with players with management that you've got a thread that runs through the club so that if the manager goes you've got someone in who can carry on that policy if the players go you've got players that can come in and carry on that policy which is never going to happen lower down the league so you're stuffed aren't you you're hanged by whoever the managers <laughs> brought in in that short period of time
0: you know non league better than most um what's what's the step up in quality who's been none eaten manager now he's in in the fourth division
2: well if if you want a true reflection you look at the clubs that that win in the National League and then go up and through and bounce through, look at how well Lincoln are doing, Luton in the league above, where we see these clubs go through, AFC Wimbledon too. He has maybe mixed reviews from his time in non-league football, but he he knows players in that area in particular. He knows the club, so he should be able to try and get something out of it. But what do you do? It's kind of that that throw up in the air, last roll of the dice, Dungeons and Dragons style, where you've got to go, all right, here's what we've got, here's what we've got to work with, here's what I expect from you. All comes down to expectation, what you're telling the fans, what you want, what you want to achieve, and then the manager to go and do that.
0: And very quickly, um, with your background at, at Chelmsford and uh, you sit on the national board, uh, looking at that Derby and Cardiff controversy and the game being called off, obviously Cardiff thought it it should go ahead, Derby obviously didn't. Um, what, what happens now with the Football League? How does that work?
2: So they'll take reflections if... I'm sure it is similar to what we do in the National League and we have to deal with this quite a lot. They'll take um, reports from both teams, from both arguments, what they went through, the process of what they went through. There'll be phone calls that happened and that happened with the EFL, conversations that happened with the EFL on the day of the game. They said that in their statement that they released too, that they'd they been asked by those clubs. Um, there'll be police throwing the spanner into the works. Matt, we were talking about their, their tweet. I'm going to throw to Matt just as he's eating a Haribo. Kids and adults love them so because uh, that's the best way to respond. They threw a spanner in by saying that they'd not had that communication. The safety advisory group apparently had been involved in that conversation. The only ones that will truly know and that will reflect on all of this and decide when it's replayed, where the fines are imposed, who's got to pay what in costs will be the league. So they'll take on both those reports and then make their decision.
1: I'd much rather see Neil Warnock lose his rag than watch a game of football, to be honest. So, <laughs> ah.
0: And so say all of us.
1: When we come back, Championship Roundup.
0: you're listening to the Totally
4: Football League show in association with William Hill for all the latest odds in the footballing world check out williamhill.com or download the app and if you don't spot something you fancy why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag your odds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only be gamblerware.org and when the fun stops stop. Championship round up then
0: Wolves seem to be back on track, don't they? They swept Burton Albion aside on Saturday, 3-1 winners, and they are six points clear of Cardiff, who as we've just heard did not appreciate their unexpected day off. Aston Villa must wish that Bolton's officials had been as fastidious as Derby's. They were beaten 1-0 by the Trotters thanks to an Adam Lafondre goal. Villa, the only team that could tear the league leaders a new one and then lose back-to-back games against QPR and Bolton.
1: What a week for QPR. They won 3-1 at Aston Villa on Tuesday and then fought back from two goals down to draw do 2-2 with Fulham thanks to a little help from Dennis Adoy. Millwall remain in contention for the playoffs thanks to a 2-0 victory at Barnsley, their sixth in seven matches, while Birmingham survival bid under Gary Monk has finally cranked into gear. The Blues beat Hull 3-0 with Hotter scoring a brace.
0: Do not ask for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for Sunderland. They lost again on Saturday, 2-0 at home to Preston. They were reduced to 10 men again. There is no sign of life, no sign of hope. There is nothing, only heartbreak, a steadily gathering darkness and the welcome icy embrace of oblivion. Elsewhere, Norwich were 3-2 winners at home to Reading with another goal for James Madison. They may not hang on to him for much longer and we're saving the best for further analysis. That 0-0 draw between
1: Sheffield United and Nottingham Forest. Adama Traore's fine form continued with the goal at Brentford but Middlesbrough could only draw 1-1 to stay a point inside the top six. That allowed Bristol City to close the gap and Lee Johnson's side seized the opportunity with a 1-0 win over Ipswich. And who could have predicted Leeds losing 2-1 at home to struggling Sheffield Wednesday, only Ian McIntosh in last week's fan league? Oh, someone remembered.
0: Right, um... Sheffield United, Nottingham Forest. Uh, Listener, you're probably wondering why we're focusing on one of only two goalless draws in the entire uh, football league. Um, It's because they were the last two clubs that we hadn't covered. We're almost at the run of covering absolutely everybody. And we had actually talked about Sheffield United and Nottingham Forest in detail elsewhere. So we thought we'd combine the two. They're two really interesting teams. It would be an absolute corker. And Matt, it was nil-nil.
1: Yeah, um, I actually thought... Might not be able to see any of the game at all. Whenever I stuck the tape on, because the conditions were so bad, you could all you could see was the red lines on the pitch. That was about it. But I thought it was actually a pretty decent game once once it got going. And Forest definitely looked like the better side, though. Sheffield United still lacking a bit of identity from how they played earlier in the season. If they'd overhit one more pass in the final third,
0: I'd have put my laptop out the window. I mean, I'm not even a Sheffield United fan and they were doing my head in. Um, I do feel really sorry for them, though, Caroline, because the first half of the season, they were great, and they're vibrant, and they've got that width and creativity. They're a really good, fun team to watch, but they're, they're out of fuel, aren't they?
2: Are you saying to me, if I'd offered a Sheffield United fan this finishing position <laughs> at the start of the season, would they be happy?
0: We're better than that, Caroline.
2: Well, I was just doing your statement voice, uh, just for you. I don't know. I I'd, I I'd, I'd quite enjoy being a Sheffield United fan at the moment. Yes, it's kind of stunk away it's The hope that gets you, and all of the above. But but I like Chris Wilder as a, as a manager. I like what they're trying to do. Yeah, there are a few overhit pitches. Uh, pitches. There are probably a few <laughs> overhit pitches. A few over overhit passes. Chris Basham, though word for him, one of three players at the weekend to miss the games because of their other half's giving birth. Oh, really? Do you not see that stat? No. Was that not top of the list?
0: What the hell was on telly nine months ago? <laughs> Any no, other
3: players remember. we should look
1: out for at Sheffield United? I do like Jack O'Connell, the yes. uh, the centre back. I think he's uh, he's good on the ball. Uh, it was actually him over hitting a few of those passes. It has to be said, though, uh, at the weekend. But he started out at Blackburn actually, and. Um, he, uh, yeah, he 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 carries the ball out defence really well and he looked pretty solid at the weekend uh, even though Nottingham Forest put, put Sheffield United under quite a bit of pressure uh, and I think probably what we have to say as well is that has any player been missed more than Paul Coots this season because mm. when he got that nasty leg break against Burton they won one of their next nine games and honestly you look at Sheffield United's form since he's been missing and he brought Lundstrom in and, uh, and he did you know, a reasonable job in that deep line midfield position but it hasn't really worked he was on the bench again at the weekend and you look at Coots, and they desperately need him back at the start of next season.
2: There are key positions that they've got to do better in, and I know Wilder's has spoken about that too. He says shape looks all right; shape looks mm. look decent, but it's just those those final areas. And you can't knock their commitment, can you? You can't knock their effort that they're trying to put in, but it's just not not coming off.
0: Yeah, Nottingham Forest,
1: um, though, Ito Kranka seems to be getting his shape together, Matt. Absolutely. They look so organised and uh, I think it was a very mature display from Nottingham Forest, which we perhaps haven't seen uh, so much this season. You have to remember as well that Nottingham Forest, even though the new owners have high ambitions and that's why they signed so many players in January, a last kind of chance to try and grab a playoff spot. They, they only survived on goal difference last season. So it's a big job for Carranca, but I thought they played really well. And we were suggesting that they might actually be in a relegation battle a few weeks ago. So to be up on
0: 46 points and probably safe, the state of that bottom half of the table that will do when it transitional season
1: I think it will and it's good to see that he's still uh, giving the young players a chance uh, Matty Cash did well on the wing again mm. at the weekend Ben Breton did well uh, in attack Dal Murphy was very quiet not a young player of course but uh, he was he was pretty uh, pretty poor I think actually uh, the other day but um, yeah it looks like Karanka's is definitely uh, getting across his, his message there
0: Alright Joey Crilliam from William Hilliam um, what for next season Nottingham Forest getting their stuff together under Ita Karanka. Lots of nice young players, probably going to develop. Sheffield United got a lot of shape, probably just need a little bit more. Um, What are the odds on them getting promoted next year?
3: Nottingham Forest are a really interesting one because they could go either way again because they've been built up for the last couple of seasons uh, and haven't quite done the business. Um, I mean, for next season, if they continue to play as they are doing now, if they bring in a couple of decent players, they could... Be around about six to one, seven to one for promotion, which is decent value. Uh, you have to say Sheffield United are actually still in the betting to go up this season. Uh, they are sixteen to one, having been as short as thirteen to eight in November. Um, but for next season, again, a couple of additions over the summer, they, they'd probably be around about the same price.
0: All right, Matt, do you want to play the fan league? Whoop! <laughs> that was very enthusiastic, but you can't. It's International Week. There is no Fan
2: League. On the subject of International Week, that was the best bit about Basham um, giving birth, well, his other half giving birth, is that Chris Wilder said, oh, he he planned it to give birth in International Week, but it came early. So that is planning. (laughs) Sorry, I'm done now. (laughs) I'm taking my labour pains away.
0: You know what? Let's have a talk about the Fan League. And there is no Fan League, but it is still available. It's on the App Store. You type in Fan League, and it's good fun, isn't it? You get 13 games. You pick home win, away win, or draw. And you can join the Totally Football League Show League uh, if you join up. It's, it's easy enough. They've, they've uh, had a fiddle with the app, and it all looks uh, a lot easier now. Uh, leading the table there is Lawrence White, who had a fine week with eight successful picks. He moves ahead of Joshua Wilson, who got nine, but has a slightly lower average. I'm in... Um, Uh, And Matt, you're 196th on account of never remembering to do it.
1: I'm going to mount a late promotion push, I think.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to that. Hello, Ollie Mann here. I do a bunch of podcasts, but here's one that I think you will definitely like. It's called The Modern Man. It's a pun on my name. It's also got loads of amazing guests that you won't hear anywhere else and advice to navigate
3: this here modern world.
0: They probably thought that we could build the next Facebook because they, they knew so little about technology.
2: It was a little bit like he was a phone book that had been ripped in half and so his buttocks were on the front.
0: All you need is one headline in the sun. Yes. I <laughs> emptied Santa's sacks <laughs> and my career is over. That's The Modern Man, M-A-N-N, with me... It's on Acast, Apple Podcasts, and at modernman.co.uk. League One, then. And Shrewsbury have scrambled back into second place, thanks to Wigan's FA Cup run and a battling 2-1 win away at Scunthorpe. Stephen Payne's second-half penalty was a difference, and the Shrews are two points behind leaders Blackburn, with a game in hand, and three ahead of the Latics, having played two more. At the other end of the table, Rochdale drew 1-1 with AFC Wimbledon and have now picked up eight points in the last four games. They're still 23rd, but they've got three games in hand on most of the teams above them and they're only five
1: points from safety. It's almost time to get the flip-flops out at Blackpool and South End after a 1-1 draw left both clubs stuck in mid-table. Charlton's playoffs hopes are fading fast following a stalemate at home to Fleetwood and pity the poor Blackburn fans who made the long journey to Gillingham only for the game to fall foul of the weather on Saturday morning.
0: Plymouth and Peterborough are set for a massive playoff ding-dong by the looks of things. Steve Evans' new side lost 2-1 to managerless Oxford on Saturday, losing the initiative to the Pilgrims, who beat Bristol Rovers 3-2. Evans was furious about Oxford's time-wasting, specifically on the pitch, rather than the two months it's taken them to pick a new manager. And this one is going to run and
1: run. MK Dons have won back-to-back games for the first time since September, beating Bury 2-1 to boost their survival bid. And that isn't good news for Northampton, who remain deep in the brown stuff after a 3-0 home defeat to Rotherham. Oldham are only a point better off too. They went down 2-0 at home to Portsmouth. Speaking of Portsmouth, do you know when they were founded? No.
0: Portsmouth Football Club was founded in 1898 by Sir John Brickwood, owner of the Brickwood Brewery. Suggestions that this was the last time anyone connected with the club proved themselves capable of organising something in a brewery are entirely unkind. The new board bought a bit of farmland near the village of Milton and arranged to fence it off for their new pitch, but only once they'd got the potatoes out of the ground first. True story. They sold them and gave the revenue to the club. Up went the stadium. They called it Fratton Park. Portsmouth were non-league until 1920 when they joined the third division, but by 1927 they were in the top flight. They were the last winners of the FA Cup before the Second World War, and they picked up where they left off when it finished, winning the title in 1949 and 1950, two more successful campaigns for club president, Field Marshal Bernard Montgomery. They dropped out of the top flight in 1959, they spent a single season in the third flight in 1962, and then they hit what they must have thought at the time was their Nadir in 1978, when they slid down to the 4th Division. But they do rises and falls very well at this club, and in 1987 they were back in the top flight under the shrewd management of Alan Ball, of all people. They had a great young team in the early 90s under Jim Smith, but they couldn't quite step up into the Premier League, and they soon found themselves in financial trouble again, Terry Venables bought the club in 1996 for a quid, but that didn't work out. He sold it again, and in 1998, the club went into receivership. Milan Mandric turned up, and a few seasons later, Harry Redknapp turned up. He was director of football initially, but oddly enough, he soon concluded that he could do better than then-manager Graham Ricks, so he sacked him and replaced him. And he was right. With Jim Smith at his side, they smashed promotion and returned to the top flight in 2003. And I just haven't got time for that period. You know it all already, though, don't you? Rednap out, Rednap in, FA Cup in, Mandarich out, gademac in, hordes of new signings in, financial competence out, and boom! And when the dust settled, the club was back in the fourth division. But they won that last season, and they had high hopes for this season, didn't they, Caroline?
2: Yeah, I, uh, Portsmouth, again, we all got a little bit excited, wrongly, wrongly, in non-league football, uh, because we thought they were going to come all the way through. There were preparations put in place, for whether they'd end up in the the conference as was in the National League. What Uh, were
0: those preparations? There
2: there were words had about size of stadia, what would need to... Did I just say size of stadia and they really high? I'm reading from a rule, but I did say that and apologise on my behalf and that of my family. Uh, there were conversations just about safety-wise, how it would work with such a huge number of supporters. There were initial conversations, I believe, about whether a new club would start and fans groups and involvement there too. So for them to turn things around... I, I have two little affiliations with, with Portsmouth. One, they had Ricky Holmes there, who was a long-time Chancellor City player and who we adored. And Kenny Jacket, I've always got... I mean, bearing in mind, I always enjoy someone with a wearable surname. But <laughs> I, I've always gotten well with him from Millwall's days of of going to Wembley, doing well, bouncing around. And, and I admire what he does. So I want him to do do well at the club too. They have a huge support. They have a vocal support too. So you want them to bounce up and, and through and he's, he's had to do it at times this season Matt on lots of players being out injured I'm, I'm ignoring you <laughs> no. uh, I just I could feel his presence just, just
0: carved me out oh, sorry
2: uh, they've had to do it at times this season Ian um, with, <laughs> with a few experienced players and I think it was against Fleetwood and their average age was around about the early 20s mark so he's, he's had to do it up against it this season so I want them to do well
0: yeah, Matt, <laughs> I'll bring you in now because that's my job. He did have a difficult job replacing Paul Cook, who uh, skipped off to Wigan. Um, we, you sort of look at them outside of the playoffs and you think, oh, that's a bit disappointing. Are we just being harsh?
1: I think so, definitely, yeah. in the first season back in League One. And uh, I think K. Jacket's done a really good job. I mean, he was actually, there was talk about him potentially leaving the club, wasn't there, in the, in the autumn. And uh, he's the sort of manager given the job that he's done over the years at Wolves and uh, Millwall, and he's always going to be linked with other positions, I think, because people see that he could come in and he could improve a side's fortunes pretty quickly, really, and, and that's obviously why Portsmouth went for him after losing such an influential manager in, in Paul Cook as well, but he was close to the playoffs uh, at one stage in December, and then it's only three wins in 13 games now, so it doesn't look like they'll get there. Uh,
0: if you get a chance to read Mike Calvin's family uh, sort of behind the scenes when he was at Millwall, it's a fantastic read, and you can see that he... Seems to be very good with younger players. And the pick of the younger players there, Matt Clark, uh, 21 years old. He's already played more than 100 times. He's been standing captain and he's just signed a new contract extension to keep him there till 2020. Uh, For anyone who hasn't seen him, how good is he?
1: He's excellent, isn't he? Yeah, really, really encouraging prospect. Another one of those uh, Ipswich players who uh, dropped out of their setup, and perhaps uh, will leave a few regrets at Portman Road about that. But uh, yeah, he's uh, incredibly strong in the air, very commanding. He's always a threat at set pieces. Uh, he's good with a ball at his feet as well. I, I believe he's played fullback on a few uh, times. I've only seen him play centre back, but uh, he's he's very strong. He's good with uh, holding uh, the likes of uh, the more physical strikers in that division uh, with their back to goal. And yeah, I think he's someone that's that's going to rise through through the division definitely
2: he's he's their hugely bankable asset and the fact that they haven't banked in that asset so far just shows how much he's probably enjoying working with with Kenny Jacket He signed his new deal but he's not going to see that Uh, I hate to break it to everyone but I don't think he'll see that out when you see the clubs that have been sniffing around him. He's calm, he's six foot five, six foot six and he's, he's yeah. huge and he will fill out two more and I just think he's got that presence on, on the ball um, which comes of an aggressive cough from <laughs> William <laughs> Joe, Hill.
0: <laughs> Joe Crilly's disagreeing with everything yeah. you say but he can't speak for coughing so we'll just push straight on. He reminds me a little bit of Alfie Mawson. I think he's actually slightly bigger than Alfie Mawson yeah. but he's got that kind of composure on the ball and that, that how can you only be 21 when you're playing so calm. He, he really does look special
2: and, and when I say about the the youth in the team he has got though players with strong heads on them Kenny mm. Jacket and, and that's been shown too so whether he's put an arm around him and said look stick with me son and I'll I'll, I'll see you through and make you a better player which I imagine he has the whole captaincy thrown at him too I think it's well worth him staying there for the moment
0: big result for them Matt um, at the weekend not just the fact that they beat Oldham and they're sort of just about in touching distance of the playoffs um, but a first clean sheet in 16
1: games um
0: and and they were they were pretty comfortable in in pretty
1: uncomfortable conditions weren't they Yeah, the conditions were terrible, like pretty much everywhere at the weekend. Um, but there weren't there weren't many uh, clear-cut chances really in that game at all. And uh, and like you say, they they controlled the game and they were obviously given a, a big helping hand by Johnny Placide uh, whenever he uh, set up uh, Pittman for that for that second goal. But. I, th- I thought he did. Well, um, Jamal Lowe is another promising prospect at uh, Portsmouth as well. He he's playing on a bit uh, rapid, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's incredibly quick and beat a man, but also that brilliant close control, just to shuffle it around someone and, and, and then race on to the ball. And uh, he's actually come up from non-league as well, uh, someone that they snapped up halfway through last season, and uh, I think at 21 years old, he, he's another talent that they could eventually look to cash in on, perhaps.
0: Well, all looking reasonably good. Joe Crilly, Um, can they get into the playoffs? Uh, I mean, there's, you there's... Know, mathematically, yes. <laughs> yeah, <there's laughs> That's a... <laughs> it, we'll move on now. <laughs> I
3: mean, there's, there's absolutely no reason why they can't. As, as Matt touched on, their, their form since the turn of the, the, the year hasn't been great. Um, but they are within touching distance. They're 100-30 to make it into the playoffs and 20-1 to one for promotion. And if they can just find a little bit of that early season form, uh, again, there's no reason why they can't sneak in.
0: All right. Well, if you want to go and watch Portsmouth, um, I'm not sure how many tickets are available, given that they they tend to sell quite a lot of them. But adult tickets are 25 quid, um, and if you're an accompanied under 18, it's five quid. Unaccompanied under 18s for a tenner, which sort of seems a little harsh, but I'm sure they have their reasons. Uh, you can drive there. First come, first serve for the stadium car park. Uh, tenner a car. There is off-street parking and the nearby Milton Cross School offers car parking for six quid, so obviously some kind of uh, price war going on there. Fratton Station is about five, ten-minute walk from the ground uh, and it's well-serviced with trains from all over the place. Uh, that was Portsmouth coming up after this, League Two. Listeners, you know there's more to football than inverted pyramids,
4: XG and young millionaires with too many tattoos. Yes, football's fundamentally a simple game, but you can't truly understand all dimensions of the game without understanding the modern world. And you can't understand the modern world without understanding its most popular sport. Game of Our Lives is a new podcast series hosted by the football historian David Goldblatt. It tackles themes like human nature, globalisation and geopolitics through the prism of the beautiful game. Just like the Totally Football Show, sort of. But you can bet we'll be listening. The first episode is out now and focuses on the cinema of the pitch. Here's a taster with filmmaker Werner Herzog giving his view of your typical Super Sunday from a cinematographer's perspective.
3: I like to see a wider shot of the field and how the entire field all of a sudden is moving. What is the opponent's team doing? How do they move their entire team uh, a little bit more to the left or to the right? So I, I like to see certain patterns that emerge very quickly.
4: If you want to learn more about why football matters, make sure you listen to Game of Our Lives on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. The Game of Our Lives podcast with David Goldblatt. Subscribe
0: now. League Two roundup. Curse? What curse? There was a big win for Morecambe this weekend. They beat Exeter 2-1 and they've scrambled up to the relative safety of 18th. And we'll be discussing Knotts County in a minute, but it won't be as cheerful as it might have been. They were 1-0 up on Mansfield right up until the final moments. And then Kane Hemming stepped up and scored what Kevin Nolan thought was a controversial penalty, and when we watched it back earlier today, thought it wasn't actually that controversial at all. My lads have been robbed of two points, he fumed. <clears throat> Fortunately for him, Luton Town dropped points as well. They shipped an early one to Newport County before coming
1: back to level the game. So if Notts County didn't win and Luton didn't win, Who did? Accrington! They stay top of League Two thanks to a 3-1 win over Forest Green, while Barnett's 2-0 defeat to Wickham paved the way for Martin Allen's return for a fifth spell in charge of the Bees. He'll hope to emulate Phil Brown's start at Swindon. The Robins claiming a 3-1 win away at Cambridge. Lincoln are still clattering away trying to get into the playoffs. They beat Grimsby 3-1 in the derby
0: and in front of nearly 10,000 supporters too. They're seventh, one place below Coventry who beat Crewe 2-1 away from home. And as we heard earlier, Stevenage's 2-2 draw away at Port Vale was enough to mark the end of manager Daryl Sarl.
1: Carl and Ahern Grant took his tie to six goals in seven games for Crawley as Harry Kewl's side salvaged a 2-2 draw at Carlisle. But things are looking bleak for Chesterfield. The Spireites remain six points adrift of safety after a 1-1 draw at Cheltenham. And you ease their own relegation fears with a 1-0 win at Colchester.
0: Notts County. I've been putting this one off subconsciously for Why? some time. Well, because the history section always takes a really long time. And with Notts County... It obviously takes a lot longer because it is, Matt, the oldest football league club of them all. It's a team so old it actually predates the football league by 26 years. The FA Cup by 10 years. It actually predates association football itself, given that the game wasn't codified until 1863. And Notts County were born in 1862. They played all over the local area, parks and cricket grounds and friendlies against other visionary proto-clubs. Uh, They were, of course, founder members of the Football League, but they've never finished higher than third, and they've only won a single major trophy, the FA Cup, in 1894. But they have had some good times, notably in the 1950s, when they signed Tommy Lawton from Chelsea for a whopping 20 grand and were getting attendances of over 35,000. Jimmy Cyril, he took over in 1969. He lifted the club up two divisions in three years. Cyril left in 75, but he came back and finished the job in 81, lifting Notts County to the top flight. It didn't last, though. Back-to-back relegations followed in 84 and 85. They recovered, though. Back-to-back promotions put them in the top flight in 91. And this was the last season before the Premier League kicked in. All they had to do was survive, and then they could thrust their snouts in the money trough with all the rest of the piggies. But no, they were relegated, and this time they never came back. And by 1997, they were back in the basement. They popped back up into the third for five years, uh, but never so much as made the playoffs, and they sank back into the fourth division in 2004. And then there was that whole Munto, Finance, and Eriksson, Sol Campbell thing, but we really haven't got time for that. Uh, they returned to the basement in 2016, but this year they might be coming back out, Matt.
1: They might be, but they're making hard work of it, aren't they? It's uh, They haven't won back-to-back matches in League Two since September, which is uh, the stat I've clung on to, Ian, and wrestled away from you in the, the pre-show chat. That's me with nothing to say now. Uh, no, they've, they've uh, probably relied a little too heavily on George Grant, uh, who would have got on loan from Forrest for, for goals. He's got 15 this season. He's been brilliant, sort of, playing on the left side. He cuts inside on his right foot and whips the ball in the bottom corner a lot of the time, but uh, John Stead and Shola Amiobi, we, we know what sorts of players they are and so incredibly experienced and, and they've done a, a good job this season for Notts County, but they, they're not prolific, are they, in front of goal? And Stead had that little spell in January, he scored six in six matches and he's gone a bit bit quiet again. I was going to say a bit dry again, but that probably isn't the right word.
0: <laughs> yeah, we saw both, uh, both sides of Shola against Mansfield for the first goal with uh, an extraordinary miss produced the corner that as you said he was looking for the investment there uh, got the corner and then uh, Schola kind of launched into a header that was essentially like a man just very stiff and falling off a diving board I uh, thought he was going to cannon back to the halfway
1: line though that header because when it hit the crossbar you could see the thing <laughs> shake yeah, yeah. Um, so you know he, he has his assets doesn't he Absolutely, uh, yeah, and I think he's in the way Kevin Nolan wants to play football, uh, which clearly le- le- lends uh, a few uh, approaches from Sam Allardyce's time uh, working with him. Uh, he, you know, he's key for them because he likes to pump it into box at any opportunity. And you sort of, you sort of see Allardyce's influence when the goalkeepers taking free kicks from almost on the halfway line just to launch it into the box, and uh, and Shole Amiobi is central to that.
0: I spoke to Kevin Nolan after his first game in charge of Lake Norian, and his eyes were so bright and full of hope and optimism. Um, and that turned out to be a terrible, terrible first job. He must thank every day he must fall on his knees and go, yeah, I'm at a normal club.
2: Well, uh, until you go to the 90 plus ninth minute of added on, well, not 99 minutes added on, I mean, that would be quite a feat, wouldn't it? Uh, but at, at the weekend to draw with Mansfield, having seen the re- the owner, Alan Hardy, come out and try and clear the lines to get get the game on they should have known that they would draw against Manchester I think it's like 2005 or something ridiculous the last time that, that they managed to beat them but to get it, a dodgy dodgy penalty says Nolan or not in so much words mm. but you look at it and that's a penalty all day long isn't <laughs> it didn't it look very isn't dodgy it? did it I, I thought he was going to talk about the weather but no, he he ends up talking about the penalty. For those that haven't seen it, his argument was: was it a handball? Was it in the area? I mean, both of those things. It was. I'm just looking around at YouTube it, for actually. It, it was of, kind of volleyball
0: it? spike, wasn't it?
2: It was there. Oh. It actually had sort of similar tra- trajectory to Amiobi for the goal, didn't it? Yeah, They're both yeah. going down in instalments and, yeah. and find it too. So that it's sickening because it's in the ninety. 90- plus ninth minute for it to, to come about and to have got the game on and to be so close to, to thinking we're putting the pressure on at, at the top two. So that is a sickener. But clearly they've got this great relationship, the owner and Kevin Nolan. So that that partnership is working and I think I think they'll still go up. I still think they'll go up.
0: They are infuriatingly inconsistent though. Why? Why do they keep letting themselves down? Well, used... that's the worst thing to lose. You've
2: <laughs> you let me down, you let yourself <laughs> down. I, I, I genuinely think they will, they will still go up. And it's one of those leagues, and you're either going to be a Premier League team, aren't you, if you're not going to have that level of consistency, or you're going to walk a league and go all, all the way through. Look at Luton, so long top of the league. Then Accrington coming through and putting that. They always put end of season runs together, but Accrington coming through too and, and creating that consistency. I just look at it, and I think out of those teams pushing towards the top now, they're, they're the ones that are going to go up.
1: You look at Luton and Accrington; they've got goals throughout their teams. And so if Billy Key doesn't have a brilliant day, you've got Caden Jackson or McConville to pop up and grab a goal. And it's the same at Luton. So many goal scorers there that can that can settle a match for you. And, and Notts County perhaps don't have that f- throughout the team.
2: They've got the quality through the team, haven't they? It's, it's maybe not just that, that one player up front that you want.
1: Behind the scenes, Caroline,
0: they've not been short of financial bother in the past, um, particularly with that whole... Manto episode, which we could do a whole show on easily.
2: And, and I do enjoy putting my feet up and listening to your history lessons, and that is genuine. So oh. I, I, you can do um, that as a separate podcast and allow it. That,
0: that'll be our spin-off show. Yes,
2: please do. And Hardy's he's one of those characters that I think before trying to get the game on by sweeping the lines, he was out refereeing the under-9s team <laughs> at the weekend. So he clearly has the interest within the club. Uh, he had a few knockers over maybe some of the community side's not not going, I know that the women's team in particular, but now he's he's working at all levels of the club and he's trying to bring that that community side of it through, so so that's got to be a positive. Well,
1: it seems
0: to be working there, 12,500 there, um, which obviously you know it's a derby game and that, but uh, average attendance of seven and a half is very good in the 4th.
2: And you said about the Lincoln Gate as well, I and mean, yeah, sexy, it's good, these attendances are... Uh,
0: sexy numbers. They
2: are sexy numbers. Do you
0: want some more sexy Please numbers? Please do. Alright, if you want to go watch Knott's County, if you can get a ticket after that, uh, 20 quid uh, for adult tickets, under 18 7, under 12's a quid, under 7's free. Meadow Lane is a 10-minute walk from Nottingham train station. There's street parking at the ground, which I'm told is freely available, or you can park at the actual cattle market opposite the away end for £2 a car. Um, Notts County to go up. Joe Crilly from William Hill, what do we think?
3: Uh, so they are in the top three at the moment on uh, goal difference, but Wickham, with that win at the weekend, moved into third favouritism to go up. Luton are 33-1 uh, to one on, Accrington 20-1 to one on. Wickham four to six, and Knox County now odds against at five to four.
0: All right, and while we've got you here, we've got live football on TV. It's not just International Week Um, because when international week's on, you get loads of League One and League Two football. Um, So straight up, really interesting game, Uh, second versus bottom, uh, Luton against Barnett. Um, Any chance that Martin Allen can come in and make an immediate effect going to one of the most free-scoring teams in the division and actually turning them over, getting the points that could kick-start the most extraordinary great escape. They are still seven points adrift, but a win here, that would make all the difference on and off the pitch. It would indeed, that was, that was padding, a great feeling.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Luton are favourites, as you would expect. They are just a shade above uh, two to one on to win this. Barnet nine to two, and the draw three to one.
0: All right, and then another sort of topish, sort of bottomish. Uh, Notts County in third, away at Chesterfield. Chesterfield, every time I've watched them, I've thought. They're not that bad. What are they doing in that position? Can they can they prove that to me on my TV in my front room by beating Notts
3: County? Uh, well, they're twelve to five, uh, so Probably very not. much outsiders. Yeah, yeah. Um, Notts County twenty three to twenty in the draw, twenty three to ten.
0: And Portsmouth against Oxford. Oxford still without a manager, though. There were reports in the Football League paper. Buy it. It's one pound fifty. It's really good. Um, that Sven and Eriksson uh, having just mentioned him earlier, was was linked with the job, which would be surprising. Um, Portsmouth against Oxford, what are we looking at?
3: Yeah, I saw that. Uh, Sven's 5-1, to one, actually, to, to be the See next really? Oxford manager. Yeah, so uh, very much amongst the favourites. But Oxford, not amongst the favourites to win this, or not the favourites to win this. 3-1 um, to one to win away. Portsmouth, 10-11, to 11 and the draw, 5-2. to two.
0: All right, uh, you have been sending us your questions uh, on Twitter and on Facebook and uh, in some case written in poo on the walls outside Jazz FM. The less said about that, the better. Uh, Roker Report, which is a fantastic, um, fantastic site, fantastic pod, uh, it has become increasingly like reading Nick Cave lyrics these days. Uh, they've said, put yourself in Chris Coleman's shoes. Do you start picking your teams based on the inevitability of relegation or do you carry on pretending that Sunderland can stay up? Matt?
1: Probably have to carry on pretending, but uh, I wouldn't know if I would keep picking Clark Salter. Continuing he's got <laughs> two red cards in space about a month, but uh, he's already doing that, isn't he? He's picking the young players, and he's probably got one eye on on next season already because it's almost over, isn't it? Yeah, Caroline, I
0: is mean, it there, done?
2: There, there's fighting to stay up, and then there's fighting to stay up. What can you do as a manager if your players are going to get sent off? He was trying to get him off the pitch, wasn't he? Before he got that that second yellow, each week is a, a kick. For him. I know the fans love him. Listening to the Roker report, I mean, although it's filthy normally when they do their, their three word <laughs> reviews over the first five minutes, proper filth, but understandable at the moment. Listening to that too, you just think, God, what do you do? I know fans left early again.
1: Do you see the Newcastle fan at yeah. half time? It's was brilliant, wasn't it? What did he do? He uh, he was part of the charity walk to, to raise money um, for the charity in remembrance of Bradley Lowry. And they were doing a crossbar challenge at halftime and he hit the crossbar. Then he did a sheer celebration around the stadium. Then suddenly the stewards realised he was wearing a Newcastle shirt (laughs) so went to grab him. And then he nutmegged the steward as well. Uh, Yeah, great performance all around from that guy. That
0: that pretty much sums up the season, doesn't it? Uh, Running out of time now, so um, we'll just go check in on Will Gunter, who you may remember last week. He uh, emailed saying that he was going for 10 days uh, around uh, the football league scene, uh, one last kind of burst of freedom before uh, his, uh, his child is born and blesses his life. But he wants 10 days on the piss watching football, and who can blame him? Um, we had a message from the92.net. It's a free site for football fans to rate and review the 92 league grounds. Um, so Will should probably have a look at that. And the chap who runs that, whose name I've lost, says that of his personal quest, his top tips are Craven Cottage for buckets of character and charm, Sinsel Bank for a great atmosphere and location, and Griffin Park, fantastic old ground with a pub on each corner. So that's Fulham, Lincoln and Brentford, of course. Um, Matt, did we ask you last week, where would you send him?
1: Yeah, I said AFC Wimbledon. I'd head down there and have a pint of the uh, the Wimbledon ale, which was fantastic. Caroline?
2: I'm going to back up the call to go to Griffin Park because there was news this week about Brentford moving, oh. finally getting their date to move out. So if you're going to go, I think it's the end of next year, they're going to leave Griffin Park. So if there's a, a ground that you can get to before then, go make sure it's Brentford. Great yeah, show.
0: Joe Crilly, what's um, your favourite? Maybe try Atkinson. All right. Give it a go. George Clark, go in touch. He said that Rochdale was great. The ground was a classic. He had the beer at the Baum um, and really enjoyed it. Though he did watch um, Southend and their nil-nil draw in that game. So uh, that, that was not a classic. Uh, and he also had a good fun at Valley Parade. So keep those tips coming in. That is uh, all we've got time for. Caroline Barker, thank you so much for coming in.
2: Uh, I did mention earlier about Notts County and I, I will probably get abuse from those Notts County lady supporters who were angry uh, Alan Hardy getting rid of, of Notts County ladies, or at least not supporting them. So that's my mention towards them. And I do hope, as a club, that they manage to resurrect to.
0: The balance is restored. Thanks. Stanger. Nothing else to add. Joe Crilly. Me neither. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Social Paul, for the work behind the scenes. Thank you, for Producer Abby, for making her debut today. And thank you, dear listener. We'll see you next Tuesday. The Totally Football League show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and
4: advertising, please email us at sales at muddynewsmedia.com.